The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck features non-absorbent closed-cell PE EVA blended foam that delivers the perfect combination of comfort, safety, and style. For more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Your boat deserves SeaDeck. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode 124 of the Golden Mike Podcast. As always, I am the noise of the North. I'm Dan on the Mano, recording from Temple of Noise North in beautiful Northbrook, Illinois. It's actually raining outside here, but no worries. I'm happy to bring you your bi-monthly dose of audio sunshine. Well, we have a different kind of episode in store for you guys today. It's all about classic water skis and how much more classic does it get than O'Brien. In business since 1964, they're one of the most storied brands in the entire toad water sports industry. With a diverse lineup of skis, wakeboards, surfers, tubes, and accessories, there's no doubt in my mind that you'll be able to find exactly what you need to take your fun to the next level. For a full look at their product catalog, head over to O'Brien.com and while you're there, find a local dealer and stay up to date with all the latest O'Brien news. That website again is O'Brien.com, O-B-R-I-E-N.com. Check them out today. Next episode, we'll be back to a more traditional format with our guest, the bone crusher, Rusty Malinowski. But today I wanted to try something new. So, like I've said, instead of having a water sports athlete or someone connected to my announcing life, I'm going to have someone connected to one of my other passions, collecting vintage water skis. Today, Tommy Bozell, accomplished water ski collector and seller, joins us as we explore what makes water skis so special to him. But before we do get into that, I wanted to take another opportunity to congratulate the winner of Writer Review Month and a brand new O'Brien Hayes 57-inch wake surfboard, Mr. Nick Dawson. Nick, if you would do me a favor and just send me an email confirming your address, I'll be happy to send out your brand new O'Brien Wake Surfboard as soon as possible. As for everyone else who wrote a five-star review on iTunes, there will be another giveaway contest announced pretty soon, and you guys will be automatically entered in. And for everyone who's been meaning to write a five-star review and just hasn't gotten around to it, now is your chance. If you write that five-star review on iTunes, I will automatically send free swag stuff we all get straight to your doorstep 
All you got to do is take a screenshot of your review once it posts, then you send it over to me through email, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. If you guys want to send your review through snail mail, shoot me a message and I'll send you that as well, and then you guys can send it there. Whatever it takes. Also, please tell everyone you know that they can listen to and share the Golden Mike podcast on SoundCloud. Google Podcasts, and a wide array of podcast listening apps on Android devices as well as on my very own website, noiseofthenorth.com. You can also follow the Golden Mike Podcast on Facebook and follow me personally on Instagram at Dano T. Mano and on Twitter at the Golden underscore Mike to stay up to date on all the latest Golden Mike news. And now for some industry news. The Liquid Force Pro Wake Park Series wrapped up last month. It had three stops, California, Illinois, and Georgia. It all culminated at Terminus Wake Park in Cartersville, Georgia. And a big shout out to Pro Men winners, Victor Salomon, he took first place. Friend of the show, Gunther Oka, took second there, first at stop number two. And Willie Wu-Tang Klang on the pro women's side, a big shout-out to German Ripper, one of the best, one of the greats, Julia Rick, Anna Nickstad, all the way from Houston, Texas. And former Illinois native, now out of Orlando, Ronix rider Jamie Lopina. For the junior men's division, congrats to Finn Bullock, Womble, Parker Swope, and Connor Wooten. And I can't forget about the kicker contest winner, Trent Stuckey, the Stuckey Bros out of Orlando. I suspect big things to come in the future for all those riders. Call it a Daniel Mano hunch. From what I understand, this year's inaugural tour was a success, and Tom Fouché, who organized the entire thing, says just watch out for an even bigger and better season in 2020. In volunteer news, Merced Applegate Park will be receiving a facelift thanks to a generous donation made by Centurion and Supreme Boats of Merced and the other Correct Craft sister companies. Volunteers from all over the world will be heading over to Applegate Park Zoo in Merced, California to replace large sections of the animal exhibit fencing, refurbish old equipment, and do some much-needed painting. I'm sure it'll make all those animals at the zoo really, really happy. I know my boy Robbie Moshup's going to be out there, and then he's going to be heading over to Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, to hang out for a little Pass the Handle event I've got going on next week. But anyways, guys, speaking of a happy, I'm happy to say that Grant Corrigan's documentary, The Push, is finally on Netflix, and honestly, everyone should see it. For those of you not familiar with Grant's incredible story, he sustained a spinal cord injury while he was snowmobiling that left him paralyzed from the waist down, and instead of giving up on his dreams, he decided to break records. This documentary follows him on his journey to become the first spinal cord injured athlete in history to ski 80 miles to Antarctica's South Pole. Truly inspiring stuff, folks, and I was lucky enough to see a screening of this documentary last year at the Roswell 20th anniversary event, and I was just blown away. I've gotten to hear Grant speak multiple times, and his story is so emotional and inspirational. It'll be a challenge to keep your eyes dry on this one, my friends. If you do have a minute, please check it out, The Push on Netflix. I promise you, you will not regret it. 
I have also given Grant a few yo-yo tips. I hooked him up with a yo-yo at the WSIA Summit this past winter, and I hope to have him as a guest on the podcast before the end of the year. He's agreed to it. We're just trying to get our schedules lined up. All right, so if you listen to the show regularly or you know me personally, then you know that I like love collecting things. Wrestling action figures, old toys, and especially vintage water skis. Currently, between my boathouse studio in Orlando and my studio up here in Chicagoland and everything else that I have scattered around in friends' houses up in Wisconsin, I have over 100 water skis and at least 70% of those are old school wood skis. I've got stuff from the 50s all the way through present day. And don't get me wrong, I love some of the new stuff out there. I just got a brand new radar trick ski. Conley sent me a great new wake surfboard that I've been ripping on. And of course, my slingshot foils, like by far one of the most fun toys I've ever had. But there is something about the feeling I get when I find an old Cypress Garden ski from the 50s, 60s, 70s, or the 80s. I love it, whether it's on Facebook or eBay, or if I find it in somebody's garage. The history it's been a part of, the way it looks, the way it feels, there's just nothing quite like it. Well, last fall, I got to tour the Conley and O'Brien facilities in Washington. They were awesome enough to open up their archives, and they were showing me all the old skis and some vintage equipment. I swear, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was stoked to be in the same room with some of the most important gear in the entire water sports industry. I was starstruck. I've even been to Radar Lake numerous times, and the legendary barn there where they still build skis, it never gets old to me, especially when they start taking me through some of the archives. And that, my friends, is why I spend an inordinate amount of my time and money online looking to buy more and more. And that's actually how I met our guest today, Tommy Bozell. I was searching the Facebook marketplace one day, and there I saw it. Dozens and dozens of beautiful vintage wood skis, classic and rare Cypress Gardens treasures. I drove out to meet him in Astatula, Florida, and I was really impressed with the size of his collection. I would later find out that Tommy just liked dealing things. Apparently, he made his living art dealing and had sold millions of dollars worth of antique art. Now he likes to buy and sell water skis, and I honestly couldn't be happier because, to tell you the truth, I'm just not in the market for art or antiques that don't have to do with water skiing or toys. Anyways, my first visit turned into a second and third and a fourth, and he would always tell me these great stories from the old school days, and I knew I just had to sit him down and interview him and let you guys hear it as well. So we're going to get right into it. This is Tommy Bozell right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. The first time that I met Tommy was probably uh, around September of 2018, so it was earlier this year, but I saw an ad on Facebook for a gentleman who had a ton of water skis, and I'm a big collector of old school wood water skis, especially the old Cypress Garden stuff. Plus, I like to uh, repurpose those skis for my events as, as far as like trophies go, and uh, and. Tommy had pretty much everything that that I was looking for. So, uh, Tommy, tell me a little bit about your collection when you started collecting skis and and really what you collect. 
I'm kind of like you. I like the uh, wood skis, uh, particularly Cypress Gardens. Uh, my grandfather was a professional skier in the 30s, uh, and he trained me when in the 60s when I was a young kid. And this is kind of my way of continuing enjoying water skiing without being in the water every day. And now I'm in my 60s. And so I started kind of collecting 10, 15, 20 skis. And I think we're up to 220 the last time I counted. And earlier today, I was actually inside of uh, your storage unit where you keep uh, a good portion of the collection. Now, most people would would basically collect something like just wood skis. But you also, you collect everything. That's true. And, and uh, mainly because I do sell from time to time. And, and I need to have, I guess, different things that different people would like. And so if I'm out collecting, I try to find as many different type things as I can. And then the wood ones are my babies, and I kind of keep a hold of those a little bit longer. But you actually sell a lot of the uh, the skis. Now, I'm, I'm still at the point in my collecting career where, don't get me wrong, there's stuff that I'm buying from you that will be repurposed and used as trophies. But there's stuff uh, that's, that's super special to me that pretty much, in my opinion, probably will never, ever go anywhere. So do you have any, like, crown jewel water skis in your collection? To me, crown jewel, but to most people would be junk. Uh, the slalom ski I bought from my best friend when I was 12 years old for $6. I've still got it. That was 50 years ago. The aquaplane my granddaddy made me when I was 12. That's 50 years old, and I've still got that. And I've got his 1950s jump skis that he used to perform on and taught me how to ski jump on. I've heard you talk a little bit about your grandfather today, and I know you've told me some really great stories about him in the past. I'm looking around the room right now, and I see a lot of old Cypress Garden skis that bear the names of some of the most decorated pioneers of water skiing. I'm talking about guys like Alfredo Mendoza, guys that your grandfather actually got to ski alongside. So can you please let the listeners know who your grandfather was and maybe some of the contributions he made to water skiing in general? Um, his name was Jack LeMay. Um, real name was Harold LeMay. And um, he was kind of like just a wild and crazy young guy. And he liked paratrooping. He was a paratrooper, racing hydros and water skiing. And so he did all those in the 30s, 40s and 50s. And um, when he got a little older, he went from being a professional and, and entertaining and also competing to he was an instructor. And so he went into con- instructing, which he instructed me when I was younger. And uh, I didn't realize, I guess is not famous. he's not famous, but is I found old newspaper articles and stuff about him in the old days where he used to perform with a, a girl on his shoulders and he would go off ski jumps on an aquaplane, which is kind of pretty difficult. Difficult, maybe uh, dangerous. So what is an aquaplane for anybody who doesn't know? An aquaplane is uh, something they rode back mainly in the 20s and 30s. Uh, They still kind of make them today, but they're thin boards. Back in the old days, they were um, devil boards, as we called them, because they were very dangerous. But the uh, boat pulls the underneath side of the board. You stand on the board and hold on to a large one-inch rope that comes up, and you don't have any fins. And so when the boat turns, you go flying out one way or the other. When the boat turns, you can go all the way around the boat if you want to. And it throws a very low and long spray. And when we used to get ready to go aquaplaning, my grandfather would say, are you ready to go water the neighbor's yards? Because it basically would throw the spray all the way up to the, to the neighbor's yards. What I found really interesting from one of our first conversations is the fact that you were telling me that people actually used to take these aquaplanes off of the ski ramp. Yeah, my granddaddy did. And I never really thought about it that much over the years until I got to thinking he had a, 
a young lady on his shoulders, and it's being pulled from the boat to the underneath side of the board, and then you're going to go off a ski jump, so the rope's going to get hung or snagged on the ski jump. And I asked him, how in the world did you keep the rope from getting snagged on the jump when you would go off the jump with the girl on your shoulders? And he explained to me as as you're coming to the jump, you had to turn the board sideways and go off the bo- uh, jump sideways, which kept the rope out to the side of the jump. And then as you got to the top, as the slack was taken out by the boat, then you would come down straight on so for any of you like wakeboard listeners out there he's basically saying you board slide the the ski ramp but what's so crazy about is the rope isn't being held in your hands it's actually coming off of the front of the board that would almost be like wakeboarding with the rope attached to the wakeboard exactly underneath it and pulling you and it's very scary and he he i couldn't even i couldn't even get enough guts and i was crazy to even go off it by myself on the board uh, on the jump but he used to do it with a young lady on his shoulders i just don't see how he could do that but he did quick break y'all these days that would be considered reckless and completely irresponsible and since tommy brought it up let's talk about wake responsibly it's not a secret there are certain bodies of water around the country that are under threat to lose the ability to have ballasted wake sports specific boats altogether. In times like these, it's always better to be proactive than reactive. You can do your part to help by educating others to stay a safe 200 feet away from shorelines and other boaters and docks. Minimize repetitive passes on any one shoreline by utilizing the entire lake. If you ride one shoreline for a bit, move on and play your music at reasonable levels, guys. If you can hear it way, way back there at 80 plus feet, chances are neighbors around the lake can hear it and chances are they don't like what you're listening to. The water is for everyone and I implore you to go to wakeresponsibly.com and take the compliance exam and get your free sticker that you will receive if you ace it. That sticker is just another tool you can use to start the conversation. Display it proudly on your boat's windshield. It doesn't take a few people to wake responsibly, my friends. It takes everyone to save the spots we all love. Speaking of, Tommy, did your grandfather ever get to ski at Cypress Gardens? No, he was before all that. He was in the 30s and 40s, and then he uh, competed in those days, but he also uh, was an instructor in the 50s and 60s. So it was, I think, before Cypress Garden started. Do you know of any of the uh, like famous names or any of the old pioneers um, offhand who he skied with? I don't. I know that he was pretty early in the sport and that he uh, told me that he uh, performed in front of two different presidents during his years. And I was so thrilled with having him as a grandfather and growing up under him, but I never thought to ask him which two presidents. But I do have one of his trophies for aquaplaning, and it's from the Presidential Cup. And so uh, I can't remember the year, but it's probably around 1930-something. Very interesting. All right. So uh, if, I, if I remember, you've got two really cool stories about your granddaddy with the uh, with the jump skis. I want you to tell me a little bit about um, the these 
these skis and listeners, I'll put some photos up uh, either on my Facebook page or somewhere so you guys can can get a good look at this uh, of these water skis. But you've got a pair. You've got your your grandfather's original jump skis, um, and I, I want to hear the story about the skis and then about like you refurbishing the skis. And I was saying two stories, and maybe these two stories connect to each other. Um, you told me another story about your grandfather going out there and skiing when he was like in his 70s or something it wasn't quite the 70s but it is definitely my favorite story my grandfather when he taught me how to ski from the time i was probably nine or ten years old he was in his 50s and then uh i never saw him ski but two times the whole time time when i was 10 years old and the time i was probably 19 or 20 he skied twice he was very good but he just you know, he'd done it so many years, he didn't care that much about it. He always promised me he was going to go skiing on his 65th birthday. Well, he had a stroke, and uh, he limped on one leg, and, you know, he had to come back from that. Well, every morning at daybreak, he would wake me up and say, son, you ready to go for a ride? And I'd get up, go down, get the skis ready, get behind the boat, and he'd take me for a ride out to the end of the slough and back. And that was an everyday occurrence. One morning, he came down and woke me up. He said, today we're going to do it a little different. And I said, what does that mean? And he says, I'm going to ride the skis today. And I kind of fell out of the bed because I was kind of worried for him because, like I said, he'd had a stroke. So I take the skis down. I set them on the dock. These are his original jump skis that he'd had shaved a little bit for me because I was lighter weight. Uh, I set them down, put the rope there on the dock, cranked up the little Donzi outboard we had, idled it out, waiting on him. Here he comes out of the second floor of the house. He's walking down the steps, and I see him with his beret on, his prescription sunglasses, Benson and Hedges cigarette lit hanging out of his mouth, um, bull of a watch on, his little uh, terry cloth jacket and swim trunks like we used to wear when we were kids in uh, Florida, and his pair of Dockers shoes. He ambles down the steps, comes down to the dock, puts his shoes over to the side, puts his watch in, the, in his hat down, puts the skis on, sticks them up in the air, sits on the dock. I yank his rear end off the dock. I take him for about a five-mile ride out to the slough and back at the end of the slew and back. He does every trick that I remember him doing back when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. And um, just like he was performing in the old days, comes back, comes alongside the dock, sits down on the dock, never fell. I get back, I'm laughing about falling in the bottom of the boat. He's exactly like he left the, the dock except for that Benson and Hedges cigarette soaking wet hanging out of his mouth. Everything else is in place. He's still got the sunglasses on and everything's in its original uh, position. So that was my favorite story of all time about my grandfather. And those skis, he rode, I guess, in the 50s. And then when I got old enough to ski jump, he built me a ski jump um, and built it by himself and put it in the water after he had the stroke. And uh, he ended up uh, planing those skis down because I was so uh, skinny compared to him. He used to say 99 pounds with rocks in my pockets. Folks, I have to apologize. Tommy has a wonderful pup that wanted to make their podcast debut. You'll be able to hear him in the background for the rest of the show, but we had to stop recording so that Tommy could chase after him and calm him down. So please excuse the shortness of breath. Tommy, you were saying. So anyway, um, he planed the jump skis down for me, built a jump, put it in the water for me, and uh, we had a blast jumping until they... Sold my wonderful house there on the lake and the uh, water ski club from across the river in the Tennessee River in uh, Florence, Alabama came and took the jump and they used it for many, many years. How were you able to keep your hands on those jump skis for so long? I don't know because I'm not really good at holding on to things. That uh, slalom ski I've still got, 
the aquaplane and those jump skis is just something I guess was so important to me in my youth that I just always kept them and and I'm glad that I still got them and I redid the jump skis this year and just got the binders to put on and I'm pretty much through. All right so as a skier were you always more of a recreational skier or did you have any kind of competitive uh, uh, ventures in your in your lifetime? We competed with our friends on the slough but not not anything in uh, organized uh, sports just enjoyed ourselves and uh, my grandfather would not allow me to ride one ski until I was able to take one of the skis off of my foot put it up and hold on to it while I skied slalom because he didn't want to turn around and go get the pickup you know pick up the uh, drop ski so it took me quite a while to learn how to do that so it was a long time before I slalomed and then uh, once I started slalom and he'd let me slalom but I had to ride two skis the same day that I slalomed where I kept riding two skis always Tell me, what are some tricks in water skiing that uh, were, were like more prevalent when you were a younger man that maybe people don't do anymore? Uh, that's, you know, we did the things I'm sure they do today with the, uh, you know, with um, trick skis and doing turns and stuff like that. But back when we were young, it was a, a big enough hoot to be able to jump from one side of the wake to the other and put the rope between your knees and kind of kneel down and act like you're playing poker and put the thing over your head and, you know, do some different things, jump from one side of the wake to the other. One of my second favorite stories, shall we say, is Granddaddy bought a four-horsepower Mercury and about an eight-foot flat-bottom fishing boat, and he gave it to us to kind of run around me and the, my little brothers. And I was probably about 12 years old. Little brother was seven, and another little brother was five. I taught all of the grandchildren, which is about 11 uh, kids younger than me, how to water ski behind that four-horsepower motor. And the way we were able to do that is Granddaddy got me an extension, drove a one-by-two down into a rubber tube, and hooked it onto the tiller of the uh, four-horsepower, allowed me to sit in the middle of the boat, and the boat would plane, believe it or not, with a four-horsepower motor. And so I taught all the kids how to water ski. We rode that aquaplane behind that boat and a pair of two skis. One time, I was able to get both my seven-year-old brother and my five-year-old brother up at the same time. One was on the aquaplane, which didn't take much power to get it up, and the other brother was riding two skis. So that was kind of a hoot to be able to teach kids how to water ski behind a four-horsepower motor. Now, in my older age, I'm a pretty good marketer and salesman, and if I'd have thought back when I was 12 years old to send pictures of us skiing behind that little four-horsepower motor, I'm sure Mercury would have probably used that in their advertising and maybe gave me a 10 or a 20 horsepower to make that boat a little faster. Absolutely. All right, Tommy, um, one last story I want to get from you is um, when I first met you, um, you, you know, and I walked in and not going to lie, you didn't quite have the, the water skiing uh, physique or build, but you had all these stories. And then you, you told me that you had uh, about a 20 or so year gap in between the last time that you water skied, um, and then uh, you'd, you'd actually been back up on the water. Um, tell my listeners a little bit about uh, the journey where you're at now and, and just getting back on the water and what that's like. I absolutely adored water skiing. That was part of my life until I was probably close to 40 years old, and I skied every day. Whether I worked or not, I came home and skied in the afternoons. And um, when I turned around 40 years old, and you have to remember I'm married to a Polish Catholic girl that can cook like unbelievable and I continually gained weight I married her at 118 pounds first anniversary I was right almost at 200 pounds and so ever since then it's been a battle to keep my weight down and so um, when I was 40 
a friend of mine had a ski nautique boat that he didn't know how to drive. And I got in the water with a slalom ski deciding I'd show him how to slalom. And he kept hitting the throttle so fast it kept pulling the rope out of my hands and I couldn't hold on. And so I was so embarrassed, I said, give me another ski and I'll ski on two. He kept doing the same thing and I couldn't ski on, couldn't get up on two because the rope kept popping out of my hands. I was so embarrassed, I said, that's it. I'm, I'm done skiing. And that was when I was 40. I turned 62 in April. Uh, all year long, I decided that I was going to ride a set of skis again before I was left this wonderful world. And so I went to a professional here in the area and uh, got him to set me up with a pair of skis and do a little training with me. And he was able to get me up on the fourth try and um, thought I'd be real cool and take off the dock. That didn't work out real well. I face planted coming off the dock. But after the fourth time, I got up, rode around the lake twice without falling and made it back to the dock in about 10 more yards if they'd had to call an ambulance if he hadn't let me down. But it thrilled me to death, and they could have heard the wahoo that I screamed when I ended uh, two counties over. And so maybe next year I'll slalom, but uh, I lost about 90 pounds in order to do that. So it took me about a year, a little over a year, to go from 302 pounds down to about 220 pounds. And so anyway, that's my story. Absolutely amazing. Tommy, I want to thank you for having me over here, selling me uh, your amazing water skis and telling us uh, some amazing stories, sir. And um, if, if there's anything else that you want to say to any of the listeners out there, any advice on collecting or water skiing or anything like that? It's, uh, it's just a hoot. And every time I see y'all, it's a hoot. And uh, I just uh, I thank everybody that can ski, enjoys it, and you know, continue doing it. If anybody wants to buy some water skis from you, what do they got to do? Give me a call. You're also on Facebook, right? Yes. At T-O-M-M-Y, last name B-A-W-S-E-L, Bossell. We're in uh, middle Florida, but I can ship all over the United States and shipping a bunch of stuff to England this week. So we can ship them to you reasonably. Tommy Bossell, thank you very much, sir. Chat with you soon. Thank you now. Appreciate it. Talking about all these old skis, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up another classic company, Conley. Conley has been making summer fun since 1965, and they're just keeping that streak alive by providing two brand new slalom freestyle jump skis to the winners of the Twin Lakes Corn Fest Conley Freestyle Jump Royale. You already know Twin Lakes Corn Fest is the biggest toad water sports and corn eating festival in southeast Wisconsin. Heck, maybe even the world and it all goes down august 16th and 17th in twin lakes wisconsin and it couldn't happen without conley who are sponsoring four on water events including the conley two-man team freestyle jump royale where 24 jumpers will participate in one of the industry's most insane freestyle jump contests to take home those conley jumpers i talked about a moment ago Check out the entire Conley line from classic skis to the most cutting-edge wakeboards and boots, wake surfers, and all the accessories to keep your summer fun at ConleySkis.com. That's C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y.com. When I was at the Nautique Southeast Regatta this past weekend, I saw Roswell debut their brand new, all new R1 Pro Tower speakers featuring the world's first LED color changing RGB translucent housing. And for those of you like myself who didn't know what that means, it means they sound great and they look great. 
It was amazing seeing them outfitted on the Roswell G23 and the Rockstar Energy G23. And now these amazing tower speakers are available for your boat too. Roswell spent two decades making the boating experience better. I seriously think they'd be making this stuff even if no one was paying them. I guess we're just lucky they're sharing it with the public. Head over to their website and see a full lineup of products and features. That's www.roswellmarine.com. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the North, Dano the Mano. The industry is full of interesting stories and characters, and I'm just happy to have the platform to share that with you guys. Tommy Buzzell is a great guy, and we've actually become even closer friends since I did that interview with him eight months back. I've probably bought thousands of dollars worth of vintage water skis from him at this point, and some of you have maybe even won those skis. But what's so cool is I always learn something new and interesting every single time I'm with him. In fact, I can't wait to have another excuse to go back over and see him again. As for the next time, you can see me. Well, this weekend I'm off to the Malibu Boats Factory Pro just outside of Knoxville, Tennessee, in Luton at the Malibu Factory, not London, but it's right there on the Tennessee River. As soon as I get back, I'm going to be heading into Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, Monday, July 8th, participate in a little lake cleanup post 4th of July. Then Wednesday, July 10th, we're doing a little past the handle event up there in Twin Lakes, Wisconsin as well. So I encourage you guys to uh, check it out and stop by if you're up there in the Midwest area. Then I'm off to stop number three of the Malibu Boats Rider Experience in San Angelo, Texas. That's July 12th through the 14th. And then one week later, I'll be at stop number four at Lake Anna State Park in Spotsylvania County, Virginia. That's going to be the final stop of the Malibu Boats Rider Experience here in the States. Of course, there will be one more in Canada. Unfortunately, I won't be there. But capping off the month of July, I will be headed to Monroe, Washington for the Nautique Boats WWA Wakeboard National Championships. That's from July 24th through the 27th. And if you're out at any of these events, stop by, say hi, get a high five, and an oh yeah. Thank you all for listening and an enormous thank you to the sponsors of this podcast for their continued support. Thanks to SeaDeck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, Masterline, Centurion Boats, WSIA, Roswell Marine, O'Brien, Ledwake, Conley, Ronix, Hyperlite, and GoPuck. Behind the scenes, a special thanks to Jenna Carruth on the web, Jane leaving the office, Arthur Shabashavich on copy, and Rich Walsh on sound. That's it. That's all, folks. For me, just a reminder, you can follow me on Facebook, The Golden Mike Podcast, and on Instagram at Dano T. Mano. You can message me there or at goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Again, I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening. As always, I'm the Noise of the North. I'm Dano Mano, and you can hear me next time. Right here on The Golden Mike Podcast.